Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Go to Romans chapter 12, if you will. We're studying the will of God. Everybody should want the will of God. Amen? Now, we know that you can study the Word of God and find out there are some things in God's sovereignty that He wills that he wants. I think one of the greatest things is he, he, he doesn't want anybody to perish. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance or all, that should, come to, all should come to the knowledge of salvation through Jesus Christ. Now, when you begin to study the Word, you'll see that there are specific things unique to every one of our situations. God wants you saved. He wants you empowered. He wants you joined. You say, what do you mean by that? He wants you joined to a local church. Uh, He wants you healed in your body. That's His will. Everybody say, God's will for me is healing and health. Say that again. God's will for me is healing and health. And God's will is also blessing. Everybody say, blessing. Say, Say, God's will for me is healing, health, and wealth. See, people get real stirred up when they hear that kind of stuff. I thought we were supposed to take a vow of poverty. You go ahead and do it. I'm not going to do it. I've been poor. I like rich better. Amen? So, God's will is for His children to live on earth as if they were in heaven. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is the will of God. Now, what we're doing in this study is we're digging into how to discover and walk in the specific will of God for your life, that which is unique to you. Now, I've always divided it into two categories. Every person that's born again has a calling on their life. The calling that we have, we share. You say, what do you mean by that? We're called to serve the Lord together. Each and every one of us in the particular office that we stand in or the position that we hold in the church, whether it be the pastor of the church, the administrator of the church, praise and worship team, working in the nursery, just the member of a church, an usher in the church, no matter what it may may be, we're all called to do that. We're called to share in the responsibility of the financial increase of the church. We're called to be empowered by the Holy Ghost. We're called to grow. You say, what do you mean? Well, we can use that in many terms. We're called to grow spiritually. We're called to grow as a church. We're called to grow as we minister in the nations of the world. We're called to grow in the anointing. We're called to grow in our influence in our community. We are called to grow. This is unique to all of us. Amen? Uh, Not only that, we're called to be students of the Word of God. Each and every one of us as believers are called to do that. We are called to pray, to communicate with God. This is the will of God. Now, if you will obey God in those callings, Live righteous. You're called to live righteous. Let me try that again. That didn't go for too big. You're called to live righteous. You say, you can't live in sin. You say, what do you mean by that? You cannot practice the behavior of the old man, the old ways. The Bible says we are new creatures in Christ. Old things have passed away. You say, well, you know, I, did, I don't think that's any big deal. I, I go out, you know, and, and, and kind of live like I always have. And, you know, smoke a little dope, drink a little alcohol, you know, do this, do that. Uh, you can't do that. that. You say, well, it's not the do's and don'ts of the gospel. It's the righteousness and unrighteousness of behavior that comes from the inside 
inside, how the inside of us, we should obey God on the inside and behave like we're believers. I, I like to say it like this. If Jesus would do it, you can do it. Amen. I like what one guy said. He said, well, Jesus turned the water into wine. And, and, the, and the other guy said, hey, well, when he turns it into wine for you, you can drink it. <laughs> Amen. A lot of people get all stirred up when you talk about things that have to do with alcohol, tobacco, drugs. I guess who was it? Canada just legalized pot. Now people think it's okay to smoke weed. All Let me just help you. Anything that alters your mind opens the door to the spirit realm. Alcohol is a horrible demonic force in this nation that demands the death of tens of thousands of people. How many people die on the highways every year? Over 35,000 every year die of alcohol-related car wrecks, motorcycle wrecks. How many people end up in the divorce court? How many people end up in the hospital with their livers shot? How many people do some horrific crime they would have never done unless they were under the influence of alcohol? You say, well, I don't drink like that, but you do put your money into that system. Amen. And when you begin to think about that, you begin to think about if you're a person that believes God, for your money, for increase and for blessing, then your money's holy. You shouldn't put it in a system that demands the destruction of so many people. Amen? Now, the, pers the <laughs> I'll get it out here. The specific will of God for you, now I like to say it like this, the generic will of God, which is unique to us all, to live righteous, to be born again, to be filled with the Holy Ghost, to be part of a local church, to tithe and offer, to read our Bibles, to pray, that's unique to all of us. The specific I call your destiny. Destiny comes from the word destinations, a place you are going in the kingdom. Now, every person in the kingdom of God, God has for you a destiny. Amen? You say, well, what do you mean by that? He has something specific and unique for you that fits you like a glove, that has been designed by God that if you're bold enough and adventurous enough, you will find it. And the tragedy of our generation is that we're a generation trained by a previous generation that loves and enjoys watching a few people fulfilling their destiny, and we become spectators of them fulfilling their destiny while we never live in ours. Amen? Well, I wish I had money like brother so-and-so or was famous like this preacher. Or that. You can't do that. You've got to go out and find what God has for you. We should be a generation that rises up and believes God for the specific destinies of each and every person. I'm always thrilled when people begin to do things in the kingdom of God that, that's different than just the generic calling of God, that they begin to step out and seek God for a specific destiny for them as an individual or for even their family. Amen. Uh, we had a family that came here for uh, five or six years, Ryan and Kimberly Penn, and, and they just sat here and they were just good members. They, they worked in the ministry here. They were blessed of the Lord. And then as they were just part of what God was doing here, fulfilling their calling, a destiny came upon them and a grace for that destiny. Now they're pastoring Island Church in Dundalk, Ireland. We've watched, who's the couple that's there that, now? The the nobles, the same thing. We've watched them work in the ministry, faithful to God. Usher, they ran, a, they ran a specific ministry here in the church for two or three years. A blessing of God was upon them. And as they did that, God began to deal with their heart. Now more than likely, they're going to end up over there working with the pins for a while. And then after a couple of years of working with the pins, they'll end up going to a city in Galway and opening the second island church. 
in Ireland. Now, isn't that cool? People finding their destiny in God. See, you've got to, you've got to have that want to on the inside. Now, let me just say this. That doesn't mean if you don't, you're not going to go to heaven. That doesn't mean if you don't, healing won't come if you get sick. That doesn't mean that prosperity doesn't work for you. It just means you're going to miss out on a whole lot of stuff that God wants you to enjoy, wants you to have. There's nothing more exciting than living in your destiny. I remember I was standing on a, on a, on a it wasn't a mountain, but it was a, it, was a, it was a tall hill, and it overlooked, I was standing right on the border of Finland and Russia, the, 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 the west side of Russia. I was about, I was about, an hour from St. Petersburg, Russia, which is a huge city of about 7 million people. And we were having this great Holy Ghost meeting. And they'd take them into a, to a restaurant where you could catch your own fish and they would cook it for you. And you went out in the woods and you picked berries and they served it with... I mean, it was just awesome. We were having this awesome day with these leaders in the church there. And I stood up on that hill and I looked out across that vast plain, looking out towards St. Petersburg, looking out towards Siberia and all that. And I began to think about, about the history of that area and everything. And I thought to myself, this is is amazing. What am I doing? I'm just, a, I'm just a surf bomb from Galveston. What am I doing standing on this hill? Amen? And the Lord spoke to me and said, it's part of your destiny. I wanted you to be here. I wanted you to see this. I wanted you to experience it. We've done that all over the world. This, this December when I was in, a, uh, when I was in a, uh, Tanzania and that, that last Monday I was there, they uh, had prepared a, uh, uh, to go on a little one-day safari. Then I was, you know, we were looking at elephants and looking at giraffes. And, I mean, this wasn't a zoo. This is where they lived. And I thought to myself, how did I end up here? And the Lord said, it's part of your destiny. You have to understand that the destiny that God has, and it doesn't mean you're supposed to go into the ministry. You, you may have a destiny in business. You may have a destiny in, in athletics. You may have a destiny in... There's all kinds of areas in which the destiny of God can arrive in your life. But what it will do, it will take you places you've never gone or you could never go on your own. It will put you in front of people you will never stand in, in front of unless it's God. And it will literally give you such an adventure in life that as you stand back in into it and live in it, you will know I could have never lived like this if it wasn't for God. It's your destiny. Amen? Now, Romans chapter 12. We'll look here for just a moment. Verse 1, I beseech you, brethren, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Many translations say spiritual worship. Everybody say spiritual worship. Now you're going to have to learn to control your body. Amen? One of the ways you do it is by coming to church and sitting there. And when your tongue tells you you need a drink of water, you still sit there. Didn't get any amens on that. We did. Got one oh boy. That's how you control your body. Amen? Then during praise and worship, you tell your hands you're going up in the air and you're going to worship God. Amen. Amen. Listen, if God doesn't afford you opportunity to control your body, how are you going to do it? That's what church is all about. You ever notice you bring a child to church? I mean, I was like that as a little kid when I, when I went to church and, and had to sit with my parents. And, and man, ever, I mean, every five minutes, I want, I want to go to the bathroom. I want to go get a drink. They never let me. They never let me go. They made me sit there. And if I asked two to three times, I would get the backside of my mom's hand. <laughs> Don't ask me again. And I wouldn't. Amen. Everybody say control. You've got to learn to control yourself. And you've got to learn to control your flesh because your flesh does not want to serve God. 
Period. Let me tell you, your flesh does not want to come to church. Your flesh does not want to pray. Your flesh, flesh does not want to read the Bible. But listen, your flesh is dirt. I mean, people get up in the morning, they look in the mirror, and they want to know what the dirt has to say. What does the dirt want to do today? What does the dirt have to say today? That's all it is. It's gonna, it came from the dust. It's going to return to the dust. Why? Be controlled by it. So many people are. You bow your knee and pray. You go into your prayer closet. You lay prostrate before the Lord. You lift your hands in worship. You have a running spell every once in a while. You learn to shout to the Lord. You learn to use your body to serve God. And God says, that's spiritual worship when you do that. And you have to force yourself. We say, I'm waiting until I feel like it. You'll never feel like it. How many times your flesh, when you got, your flesh told you, oh, I want to go to church today. I want to let, no, you've got to make yourself do it. God knew that. God knew that. That's why when the man fell, he knew man's flesh would be the number one thing that would hold him back from serving God. And if you ever get around dead religion, you notice what they do? They never say anything. They never do anything. They just stand there like wooden soldiers. No expression toward God at all. Their flesh never has an opportunity to worship God. But thank God you do. Amen. Amen. So everybody say, I'm going to control my flesh. Now it says this, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now notice verse 3. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man or woman the measure of faith. Everybody say measure of faith. So you've got your flesh to control. You've got your mind to renew. You've got faith to do it with. But in order to control your flesh and renew your mind, you're going to have to remain sober. Now see right there, people say, well, you know, you've already discounted all of the vices of, of, human, of the human experience. You know, we're not supposed to drink. We're not supposed to do drugs. We're not. Well, you don't, a person with common sense should know that. Amen. But that's not what it's talking about here. It's talking about forcing yourself through faith and by the grace of God into a position in which you're not under the influence of your flesh or your mind. Because you can get real intoxicated by what the flesh wants to do and what the mind wants to think. And in the intoxication of the flesh and mind, you'll never, never ever fulfill the will of God. So you're going to have to sober up. Everybody say sober up. And it means come out from under the influence of your flesh and mind. So many people, they're under the influence of their flesh and mind, and it so hinders their faith. Amen? I mean, I, there's been times when I was just, you know, uh, uh, going to meeting after meeting when I used to travel, and, and, and there was an element of grace that was upon us to do that. But I'm telling you, there were times when hotel rooms got old and airports got old, and, and I, especially when we were young, I had a young wife at home, and, and we were, I was gone for so many years. And, and, you know, there's a sacrifice to serving God, but you have to force yourself to stay sober so that grace can work for you. Amen? I mean, the, the, uh, the, the, the uh, term, I don't feel like it, can rob you of a miracle. Amen? Well, I just don't feel like it. Or the other term, I don't think so. Those two words could rob you of a miracle from God. Amen. I don't feel like it, I don't think so. I don't feel like it, I don't think so. I don't feel like it, I don't think so. Now, 
With that in mind, real quick, we just got about 15 minutes to do this, and I think I can do it. Go to, go to Mark chapter 10. I'm going to show you something. I was praying about which direction to go with that thought, and the Spirit of God just quickened me real quick to a story in Mark chapter 10. And I think we can take, uh, there's many ways, you know, there's, I like what one preacher said years ago. He says, there's many ways revelation can flow. It's like climbing a mountain. You know, you go, up, you go up the north side of a mountain, you get the north view. You go up the south side, you get the south view. You go up the east, the east, and the west, the west. Revelation is the same way. We could go up several different ways looking at this, but we're going to look at it in fulfilling the will of God or the destiny of God for your life. Now, this is the story of what they call the rich young ruler. They're in verse... Uh, Verse 17, it says, when he, was come down, when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Well, that's a pretty good question. I mean, that, that question there is, is one that really needs to be answered in the life of every person. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, you're going to get the element of eternal, but you will determine whether it's eternal life or eternal death. God has already made provision for eternal life, Eternal death is automatically yours just because you're born into the human family. But if you make a decision to get born again, now you get eternal life. You say, what does that mean? That means you live forever with God. That means the life of God that was separated from you when Adam sinned 6,000 and something years ago gets put back together in your heart and you become one with God again. Amen? Heaven's your home, healing's yours, all kinds of blessings and benefits. And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not uh, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. He answered and said unto him, Master, all these things have I observed from my youth. Now, with that statement, we could determine there's an element of this guy's life that is bending to the will of God. Amen? Amen? I mean, he just said it right there. He said, hey, you know, I mean, uh, here's the commandments. You know, uh, don't kill, don't steal, defraud not. You know, honor your mother and father. Hey, I'm doing that. So there's an element of his life that's bending to the will of God. But that's, that's not the answer to his question because if doing the law was an answer to his question, he never would have came to Jesus. Amen. Amen? So if the do's and don'ts satisfy the heart, who needs Jesus? But the do's and don'ts didn't satisfy, satisfy his heart. So he came to Jesus. Now Jesus, uh, look at verse 20. He answered and said unto him, Master, all these things that I observed from my youth. And Jesus beholding him, loved him. Everybody say, loved him. And said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatsoever thou hast, and give it to the... Give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. Come and take up the cross and follow me. Now, Jesus uh, exposed and attacked the area of his life that kept him out of his destiny. Amen? You say, well, what was that? It was his material possessions. He was rich, young ruler. So he had material possessions, and Jesus said, you got a problem here, buddy. You, you, you're, you're rich, you got a lot of stuff, and you're wanting eternal life, and you're wanting, you know, who I am and what I'm fixing. You're wanting all of that, but you have a lot of faith in what you have. Now listen to me. And the faith in what you have is producing pride. And pride is keeping you from eternal life. 
That's exactly what he's talking about. Amen? Because I'm telling you, if, you, if you're self-made in any area, you're going you're gonna to have pride. And I'm telling you, God doesn't like pride. I said he doesn't like pride. No kind of pride. He don't like school pride. He, li- he likes thankfulness. That's what God's like, is thankfulness. People being thankful. But I'm telling you, I heard an old preacher say this years ago, and I found it to be so true. Pride is the hardest thing to try to get rid of, and one of the first things to try to come back into your life. Amen. The two components, now listen to me carefully. The two components that get you into the will of God and get you into the destiny of God is faith and submission. The two elements that keep you out is fear and pride. Faith and submission will get you into the will of God. Faith, uh, excuse me, fear and pride will keep you out. Why don't you give all your stuff away? Can't do it. Why? I'm afraid. Come on. I'm afraid to do that. I mean, I've been challenged so many times by God over the years to do something that I was afraid to do. I mean, I was afraid to do it. Therefore, I knew I couldn't do it because I was fearful, so I had to do it by faith. Amen? You say, what do you mean by that? Well, when the, when the, when the, when the command of obedience was given to me, the first emotion I had was fear. Can't do that. And then as I came to myself and began to recognize it was the voice of God that spoke to me. I remember uh, we had done some some I'd done two two years of work in, in Hawaii over on the west side of the island of Oahu, and the people that I worked with just packed up and moved to Jamaica. They started a Bible school in on the west side of Hawaii, and we had two glorious uh, campaigns, two glorious uh, Crusades, for lack of a better term. And so I was like, well, what am I going to do now? And I was praying, and the Lord said, go do, your own, go do your own meeting. Go do your own crusade. And so we looked at the numbers, and it was like $30,000. That was, what, 92, I think, 91 or 92, way back then. And $30,000 was a little more than it is now. Back then, to us it was. And the first emotion I had was fear. And when fear came, when fear comes... When God speaks to you to try to get you into an area of destiny in your life, when fear comes, the first thing you do is question whether you've heard from God or not. Was that God? Did God really talk to me? And I remember it was on a Wednesday that I was praying and the Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to go over there and do your own meeting. And I was really against that because I'm a local church guy. I don't do meetings outside of local churches. We had had cooperation with several churches in those meetings we had done over there and had a wonderful time. And I'm thinking, go do my own meeting. I'd never done that before. I'd have to bring somebody to do music. We'd have to do, you know, there was all kinds of variables. We'd have to bring in the local churches. We were, uh, uh, part of the crusade was always to bless the local pastors, to bring them in, to feed them a meal. Uh, All Man, all the variables of what we had to do were overwhelming. I was just like, you know, I'm like, you know, did I really hear from God? Is this really God? And I remember we went to church. Lee and I went to church on that Wednesday night. And I look up, and this little Hawaiian kid comes walking in, Barbin. And Barbin was a keyboard player in two of my, those two years that I was there doing those meetings. And we had no idea he was anywhere within a thousand miles of us. And he comes walking into that meeting. And the Lord spoke to me and said, see, I told you. And I knew I had to get out of fear and get into faith. 
And so we begin to pray. We begin to talk to certain people, asking them. And what was amazing about that is everyone we asked to go on that, uh, on that first crusade, nobody had the money to go. Not one person had a nickel to go. And we, made, we got together, we prayed, we got an agreement, we made a confession that by the time we got on the airplane, every dime of that crusade would be paid for. And we got on the airplane, every dime of that crusade was paid for. Amen. And we, that ended up opening the door for a, almost a 10-year revival in that area. Part of our day. And I'm telling you, standing there, I remember, I guess we would call this kind of the climax. We were, we were doing a crusade there. It was, uh, right before we started Island Church, we had, I don't know how many pastors, several with us. And we had a robed choir. They were in red, remember? Red robes with white uh, lays. Oh, it was beautiful, all Hawaiian. And they were worshiping God. And we were in this big, beautiful ballroom at the Ihilani Resort in, on the west side of the island of Oahu. And they took and they opened the curtains. And that, that big ballroom that was, it was bigger than this room, wasn't it? Tall, and the ceilings were huge. And the whole back, that whole back was glass. And they opened up that big, beautiful uh, 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 curtains and pulled them all back till they were open. And the sun was setting in the Pacific right there. Gorgeous Hawaiian sunset as everybody was worshiping God. God said, see, part of your destiny. The glory of God just swept in there. I'm telling you, man, it's, it's an adventure to serve God like this. Now, this rich young ruler identifies for all of us where God goes when you become submissive because he came with a submissive heart. And with a submissive heart, he made a legitimate request. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Wouldn't you agree? Amen. Submissive heart. Came to the right person. Asked the right thing. So Jesus does what? He goes and identifies an area where fear and pride may live. Now let me say that again. He goes and identifies an area where fear and pride may be dwelling. And in all of our lives, fear and pride looks for a place to dwell. Looks, looks for a place to abide. That's why you got to live kind of loose if you're going to live by faith. You say what? You can't really get attached to too much. I'm talking about materially. I'm not talking about our loved ones, our friends, stuff like that. But you can't really get attached to too much in the material realm. Because as soon as you really get attached to something, the Lord's like, give that away. <laughs> or the moment you think you have to have something. Or if you ever possess something that you think, well, you know, I don't know if I can serve God with this or not, you know. Well, he'll make sure that you come to a place of decision in your life where if fear and pride can get in that thing and live, he'll get it out of your life. Amen? You say, why? Because it'll keep you from entering into your destiny. Now, notice this. This is an amazing story. Jesus said one thing now like, now man, if we could just get it down to one thing. Come on. I mean, if we could just get it down to one thing. Usually it's more than one, isn't it? He said, one thing thou lackest, sell whatsoever thou hast, give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. But then he says something else. Come, take up the cross, and these three words, follow me. He had only said that to 12 other men. So not only was there a, 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 an attack against the area of fear and pride in his life, there was an invitation for a destiny that only 12 other men answered. 
in the expanse of time and history. Amen? We would have, if he would have obeyed this and went and sold everything he had, just think of the story that we could have had. Just think of the books of the Bible that we might have that might have his name on it. And think of all of the revelation that he might have received and given to the church. We'll never know. I guess we'll know in heaven. Amen? That was an apostolic call. An invitation to be part of the inner circle of Jesus. Now, I've been around a few big preachers. But I'm telling you one thing. If you got an invitation to be around the inner circle of Jesus, it doesn't matter what big preacher you know, that doesn't mean nothing. Man, they're asking me, Jesus want me to hang out with him. I mean, come on. Now notice what he said. He was sad at that saying. Now I've seen this. In 35 years of minute, I've seen it many times. When you get up and teach the Word of God and people begin to open their hearts up, they desire to serve God, they want to be submissive, they want, they want the will of God, and then something arrives upon the landing strip of their heart in which God puts a demand upon their character that's going to cost them something. And all of a sudden, sadness comes. You mean I'm going to have to do that? I'm going to have to go there. Now let me just say this. People over the years that I've known, that God has called them just like this, and they've rejected that call, but they continue to serve God, and got to the place where they answered that call. When they did answer that call, they were so joyous that the call was still there, that it, they, you know, they were just ecstatic that God still extended unto them mercy and grace to do what God said do. One of my favorite testimonies, we, we support a, a Jerry and Janilaki over in, Bots in Botswana, Africa. They've been there for uh, going, on, going on 35 years now and just a premier missions program. They've got, they've got school, they've got church, they've got orphan, they've got it all. I mean, it's just an amazing ministry over there. But when you hear their testimony, and I've heard them give it on many occasions, about how uh, Jerry, he, was a, uh, he drove a Porsche, he was a, he was a businessman, he was making money, he was, you know, he was a young, up-and-coming Houston entrepreneur. Ended up getting saved and filled with the Holy Ghost at Lakewood and going to Bible school. And, 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 and Jana caught his eye. So he asked her out, and she just kind of rebuffed him like this. I ain't going out with anybody that's not called to go to Africa, be a missionary in Africa. So he said, you know, I've heard him tell the tale. He said, well, you know, I thought, well, that, that ain't me. Because <laughs> if anybody ain't called to Africa, it's me. I'm called to make money and drive my Porsche. And then, but he didn't quit Bible school. He kept coming to class. He kept coming to church. He kept reading his Bible. He kept praying. And in the course of time during the Bible school year, T.L. Osborne, who was a well-known traveling evangelist, he had made a movie of several of his, of his uh, great crusades in Africa that he titled Black Gold. He called the, 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 the African people, he called it the golden treasure of, God, of, God's, uh, of God's bounty in the earth. And in this, in this film, you see these crowds of hundreds of thousands of people and you see the power of God healing cripples and blind eyes 
and, and just doing tremendous. And then you see tens of thousands of them in the altar getting born again. And Jerry said the Spirit of God fell on him. He said he literally had to go and excuse himself and go into the restroom. And he said he got into a stall and just he, he said his spirit just heaved for over an hour. And he said when he got up, he was called to go to Africa. Well, see, he didn't forsake the calling. This guy here just forsook it, just turned and walked away from it. And I've seen that in people's eyes. I've taught enough Bible school and preached enough meetings to see people that are like, they want God, they want the things of God, but when it really comes that God says, okay, you really want me? You really want me in your life? You really want me doing? I'll never forget, we had a guy come here, uh, uh, Steve McCree. We, we, uh, we support their ministry in, in, uh, in Australia, in North uh, Eastern Australia. And uh, uh, he, man, I tell you, that guy, I don't know what, it had to be the Holy Ghost. He, he attended Mark and Janet Brzee's church, and every Friday at noon, he'd get off and drive all the way to Galveston, almost a 10-hour trip. And he would work tirelessly in this building. This building had been destroyed, in two, y'all know, in 2008 by the storm. And he would just, whatever needed to be done, he'd come in here and he'd do it, and he'd work till noon on Monday, and then he'd go back. Well, uh, one particular week, he was going to stay the whole week. He had some time in between jobs, and we were having Wednesday night services up in the, 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 the hotel ballroom up there in, uh, uh, at the St. Louis. And he's sitting in the back. And I called him out. And I remember the word that was given to him. I said, it's the last time you'll swing a hammer. It's the last time you'll saw a board. And he began to weep. And he began to cry. Because that call, that missionary call had been on him for many years. And he kept rejecting it. And he kept saying, no, I can't do it. I don't have the money. I don't have this. He gave every excuse why. But right there, and did you know the last job he ever did was this church right here? And they've been missionaries in Australia ever since. Amen? So don't leave. I said, don't leave. He said, what do you mean? If there's a call on you, a destiny on you, and you're fearful, don't leave. That's what this guy did. His pride and his fear motivated him to get out of the presence of Jesus, to get away from Jesus, to leave the church, to quit reading his Bible, to quit doing whatever he was doing that got him to Jesus in the first place. He quit doing that because he left. Everybody say he left. Now, we know the story. Let me close real quick. Jesus makes all kinds of uh, of uh, illustrations and gives us all kinds of talks about it's hard for ri- people to have riches to enter into the kingdom of God. He says it's easier for a for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. We don't know that's a, we know that's not a literal camel going through the eye of a sewing needle. That that was a gate within a gate. That there's this particular story to that. But uh, go down to verse 26. Peter began to say unto him, "Lo, we have left all and have followed thee." So he's basically saying. Now, Jesus, we didn't walk away when you called us. Remember when we were fishing? We caught all those fish. We made all that money. You said, come and follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. We did it. We're not like that guy. We're not like that guy. We did it. We followed you. Amen? Now, notice how Jesus responds. Jesus has answered and said, Verily I say unto you that there is no man that have left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children, or lands for my sake, or the gospels. Now, listen, this is literally what he's saying. There's nobody on the planet, no man or woman, that ever enters into the true destiny of God for their life. Amen? But they, but, but they shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Now, a lot of people are wondering, why am I not receiving? Well, it may be you're not in the place to receive. 
And when I talk about the place, I'm talking about your heart being in the place to receive. Amen? You're too busy living your own life, doing your own thing, doing it your own way. You've got your plan. You've got your vision. You've got your five-year, your 10-year, your 15-year. You've, you've taken God out of the equation. You want to serve God. You want to live righteous. But as far as actually getting on your knees for about a month and fasting and praying and saying, Okay, God, here is my life. Do with my life what you want to do with my life. Amen? I know people start looking funny when you start saying this stuff. But the thing is, if you're really going to serve God and you really want what God has for you, He says, a hundredfold. What does a hundredfold mean? It means whatever God wants it to mean. I, I mean, I look at Lee and I was like, we'll, we'll be married 33 years this year? Something like that. We're married in 1986. Do the math. Yeah. So, anyway, I look at our lives and I would say we have received more than a hundredfold of what we started with. Much more than a hundred. We've handled millions of dollars. We've been all over the world. We've seen signs and wonders and miracles. We've done all kinds of crazy things and had a blast doing it. And we fought off devils and we fought off depression and sickness and disease, and we fought off financial ruin. We fought off just about everything you can think of. We have fought the fight of faith. And now we find ourselves on Galveston Island believing God for revival. <laughs> you talk about crazy. Amen? I mean, you go tell somebody, oh, I'm from Tulsa and we're believing God for revival. Well, nobody's going to say anything to you. I'm from Dallas, and we're believing God for... I'm from Houston. I'm, I'm from Galveston. Galveston, are you out of your mind? That's where they have Mardi Gras. I had, this one, one guy told me. He says, you live in Galveston? I said, yeah. He says, that's where people, when it gets hot, they take all their clothes off. I said, I guess so. But that's where we're going to have revival. That's where we're going to see a move of God. That's where we're going to see sign wonders. And we've seen it to a measure, but we're not, we're not, we haven't seen it like we're going to see it. You say, why? Because we have faith because it's part of our destiny. It's our destination. But he shall receive a hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brethren, sisters, mothers and children, lands with persecution and in the world to come eternal life. Now listen, Jesus ends this portion of Scripture with the answer to the guy's question. But his, but his fear and his pride took him out of the position to be there for the answer. You may need a great answer in your life. I don't know, a financial answer, a physical answer. A, I don't know what it is. But if you just kind of apathetically go through life with spiritual things and not really get serious about them. You may turn around and just walk away. I, that, that's what really grieves me pastoring. That's one of the reasons I didn't want to pastor is to see people walk away from God right before they get a miracle. I, I've seen it happen so many times. Right on, the, right on the verge of an outpouring or a breakthrough or a miracle, Get up and walk away. That's why the Bible says, don't be weary in well-doing. 
For in due season you shall reap if you faint not. That's why David said, He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Lo, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Notice that, that portion of scripture precedes that which talks about your walk with God. Amen? You say, what do you mean by that? Your walk with God many times may take you through some rough places. God's not doing that to you. It's just that the enemy will oppose anybody that tries to fulfill the destiny of God in their life. But the good news is, that's where your grace is. Where you make mistakes, that's where your mercy is. That's where the compassion of God works in you and then through you for people. And you get to experience things that in any other level, I'm telling you, I've experienced things that I would not trade for. Any, I wouldn't trade for a Super Bowl ring. I wouldn't trade for a, for, a, for, a, for a bull riding title. I wouldn't trade for a surfing title. I wouldn't trade it for anything on this planet because it was something that God allowed me to experience that was supernatural and only He could do it. And those things are so precious and so real. And when you get to experience them in your life, you know part of the destiny of your life is being played out. And at the end of your life, you die in your destiny. You say, what do you mean? You die in your destiny. That's why, we don't re that's why people like us don't retire. Brother Summerall, he was at a friend of mine's church. Lester Summerall was a tremendous man of God that we knew in our, uh, our early days of ministry. And he was, what, sweetie, 88, 87, 88? And he's flying home on his jet. And uh, he told his, 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 uh, his right-hand man, he said, I'm through. He thought he was talking about with some notes he was making. He said, okay, Dr. Summerall. He said, no, you don't understand. I'm through. I'm done. See, his whole life he'd kept himself alive and healthy with his words, speaking to his body. He said, I don't, tell, I don't ask my body how, my, how I feel. I tell my body how I feel. Well, when he started saying I'm through, by the time the jet landed in South Bend, Indiana, he was in a coma. Two days later, he was in heaven. Brother Kenneth E. Hagan got up on a, on a Tuesday morning and said, I'm going to have some strawberries and some, uh, 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 some cream and I want you to make me this certain type of waffle because I'm going to be going home about 10.30. At 10.30, the ambulance was at his house, came and got him, and they tried to revive him 13 times and he wouldn't come back. <laughs> Amen? You say, what do you mean? You live in your destiny, you die in your destiny. That means you get to choose the time, the place, and when you want to do it. Because the Bible says with long life he'll satisfy you. That means you get to live till you're satisfied. Amen. Part of the will of God for your life. Amen? You love the Lord tonight? Lift your hands and worship Him. Father, we worship You. We thank You for Your will. We thank You that we can submit our bodies. We thank You that we can renew our minds. And Father, we're not going to be like the rich young ruler. That one thing in our lives. Father, for many of us, like me, it's one after another after another. We're not going to hold on to it. We're going to submit it to you. We're going to get it out of our lives. We're going to do what you're calling us to do. And we're going to experience the hundredfold return in all areas of our lives. In Jesus' name. Father, as we leave tonight, we thank you for your provision of protection and safety. Be with all of those that call Island Church their home church. Thank you, no evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. We as your children walk upon serpents, scorpions, over all power of the enemy. Nothing by any means harms us. Father, tonight as we leave, we thank you both in our travels and in our work. We're protected by you. Thank you, Father, for the door of utterance. We are ministers of reconciliation, restoration. 
We are ministers of encouragement. And Father, we are ministers of laying on of hands and blessing people, laying hands on the sick. Thank you for it, Father. Lord, as we leave tonight, we walk in faith and love towards you. We walk in love one toward another. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, and anointed by the Holy Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com. Hallelujah, Jesus.